0: These ten sentences from Jesus are the beginning of what is often called the Sermon on the Mount, and the blessing themselves are known as the Beatitudes. They are some of the most famous words in all of Scripture, and to preach on them, to pass some kind of judgment on them, feels more than a little presumptuous. This morning, Jay told a story about an old English priest who liked to say, as our Lord once said, and rightly so. I'll follow that quasi-confession with a real one, which is that the Beatitudes often leave me a little cold. They're beautiful and poetic, but I don't always feel like I know what they mean exactly. But discussing the Beatitudes this week was with Jay was comforting to me because I could make my little confession that I just made to all of you, but also I could then have a little company. I said, what does poor in spirit mean? And I believe your exact words were, well, I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) But then perhaps, as is no surprise to you all, he offered me some real wisdom. He said, but I once heard it paraphrased as, blessed are those who know their need of God. Blessed are those who know their need of God. If I know nothing else about the Beatitudes, I know that much is true. I know I need God because I am never more lost, never more beat down than when I try to do it all, and to do it all, all by myself. To put it another way, I am always reminded that I need God exactly when I try my hardest to pretend that I don't. Perhaps it makes more sense for us to start by asking what blessed means. What is Jesus saying here? The literal word in the original text is makarios. It's Greek. It's the same Greek word they used in Jesus' time and long before when Greek speakers of the Roman Empire translated the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, And particularly the psalms. Makarios appears over and over the words we encounter in our own psalter as happy are they. The psalms say that a lot, happy are they who put their trust in you, happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven, happy are they whose way is blameless. I can see why more modern translators have chosen blessed for our Beatitudes because Happy is almost harder to, com- to comprehend. Very little about this sounds happy. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst. I think my difficulty with these words of Jesus is because I've never quite known what to do with them. They're not commandments, per se. They're not instructions. I do believe Jesus tells us, and more than once, to be merciful, to make peace. But these aren't instructions to mourn or to become poor or to be persecuted. And these beatitudes are certainly not any kind of permission, permission to ignore people who are poor or suffering or disempowered because God clearly already has a plan. We're not allowed to ignore the poor and the disenfranchised because God has already guaranteed them. A place in heaven. So they're not commandments and they're not permission. Maybe it's too obvious to say it, but the Beatitudes are blessings. And more than blessings, they're promises. They're promises from scripture to begin with. Every one of these blessings comes from the Hebrew Bible. Jesus was opening the scriptures because he thought people might be surprised to know what's inside. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, as from the prophets Isaiah and Zephaniah. The Psalms promise blessings for the meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Proverbs and Deuteronomy promise God's blessing on the merciful. Jesus says these are God's promises, and then Jesus shows that these are his promises. In Jesus, we never see a separation of word and action. His promises are never empty. Instead, Jesus spends his every waking moment alleviating suffering. He feeds the hungry. He cares for the poor. He demands justice for the oppressed. And as we've heard for the last few weeks, as Jesus calls his disciples, he called them and us to follow him. He sometimes tells his followers, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. God in Jesus Christ is living God's promises. And I think the only way for us to understand them is for us to live them too. And that happens in two ways. The first is the clearest, tangible action. Go and do likewise. Help poor people, comfort those who mourn, and... Dismantle the systems that create poverty, that create needless death. Listen to the people who our society pushes out to the margins. Work to empower people who are disempowered. We have work to do. But we don't only have work to do, because if that was all, if this was just another way for God to say, straighten up and fly right, these would be empty promises. Like everything Jesus said, these are also invitations. Invitations not just to action, but to relationship. Richard Rohr writes, the Beatitudes offer us a more spacious world. A more spacious world. A world where I do not have to explain everything, fix everything, or control anything beyond myself a world where we can allow a larger mystery to work itself out through us and in us. These things are done to us more than anything we can do. Because these blessings are a promise that when we mourn or if we are struggling financially or struggling to have dignity, that when we do our best to offer forgiveness, that when we push back at the injustices that feel like they might crush us, when we are at our lowest, God comes closest to us. When we are at our depths, feeling out of sight and out of reach of anyone's compassion, anyone's love or interest, God kneels at our feet, We are blessed, blessed by the sacred mystery of God's grace, God's love, and God's presence. A mystery not just because we don't know how God does it, though we don't, but because it is personal, personal to each of us in our own relationship with God. Grace and comfort look different to you than they do to me, as personal as a fingerprint. And yet God knows that. Knows us better often than we know ourselves. And that mystery happens, that relationship happens when we let it, when we stop trying to control. These blessings are promises God makes to us in our relationship with Him. When we stop fighting so hard to blind ourselves to pain through pleasure and distraction, when we stop working so hard to control and fix and tame, that's when God draws near to us. Where our abilities end, God's continue, without beginning and without end, inviting us to do less and receive more until we are ready to pick up our own cross for the sake of the world. Blessed are they who know their need of God, and we truly are blessed.